This is Cardinal Francis George. I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Word on Fire Catholic Ministries is a nonprofit ministry at the forefront of Catholic evangelization, using new media to spread the faith on every continent. Father Barron challenges us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The global benefactors of Word on Fire, with the support of the Archdiocese of Chicago, now present Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, on this second Sunday of Easter, we continue to read in our Gospel from the magnificent 20th chapter of John's Gospel. To read John's resurrection accounts, read chapters 20 and 21 of his Gospel. They are literary and theological masterpieces. I've often said, even more than the other evangelists, St. John has a depth and a richness of expression. And now we see it beautifully on display here. Listen to how this passage begins. On the evening of that first day of the week. First day of the week. It's Easter Sunday. It's Resurrection Day. And I mentioned last week that by saying first day of the week, St. John's implying the day of new creation. Because in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the new beginning, everything being remade by Jesus risen from the dead. So on that evening of the first day, even though the disciples had locked the doors of the place where they were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood before them. The upper room where they are locked in in fear. It is a great theological and spiritual symbol. Christians, what do we do in sin? We lock ourselves in. My ego and its concerns, its projects, its little plans and tricks and games, I'm locked in around myself in fear. And I see the world around me as a threat. Locked, afraid, in the upper room. There's something wonderful about that. Removed from things. It's a symbol of the frightened, sinful soul. And then that word of grace. Despite the locked doors, Jesus came and stood before them. The risen Jesus, who transcends space and time, the risen Jesus now living this divine life can break through any obstacle, can overcome any block that we set up, can come bursting in to the confines of our sinful, fearful soul, whether we want him to or not. Do you remember in that wonderful scene, Peter's boat is there by the lakeshore. Jesus gets in his boat without being asked, without being invited. He just gets in the boat and from that moment on changes Peter's life forever. So, Christians, the risen Jesus wants to get into your heart. He wants to get into your mind. He wants to get into your body and into your life. And he will do it despite all of the obstacles we set up for him. This is the word of amazing grace. 
Spiritual life is about grace, not so much my accomplishments, but what God accomplishes in me, despite my locked doors. Then, the decisive moment. Jesus says, really what he always says, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The two moves are indispensable. His wounds, the wounds of Jesus are the effects of sin. The author of life came and we killed him. The wounds of Jesus, that's the full expression of our rejection of Christ. God's own son came. We didn't accept him. We didn't run to him. We didn't embrace him. At the end of the day, we killed him. As Peter said last week in that sermon, we we hung him on a tree. Can you imagine the brutality of it? So the wounds of Jesus, he shows his hands and his side. Don't forget what the world did to me. Whenever you are tempted to say, everything's fine with me, i got a few little problems along the edges, but I'm basically fine. Uh Uh-uh. Uh-uh. The risen Jesus breaking into your heart, revealing his wounds to you, it's a way of saying, you are a sinner. But then, the story does not end there. Having shown his hands inside, he says to them, Shalom, which means peace. And we say it up and down the liturgy. We say it over and over again. Peace be with you. The peace of the Lord. Shalom. It means God's forgiveness made available in Jesus Christ. We're sinners, yes. But much more importantly, we are forgiven sinners. We killed God. And God returned in forgiving love which means any and all sin that we could possibly commit can be forgiven. That's why this moment is the great moment of the forgiveness of sins. And Christians, that means redemption. That means salvation. That means access to eternal life. Sinners, yes, but sinners who have returned and have been embraced by the infinity of God's mercy. This is our faith. This is where it's born. This is what it comes down to. In some ways, everything else is simply a commentary on this great fact. And this is why, now listen, in the wake of this experience, Jesus breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive men's sins, they are forgiven them. If you hold them bound, they are held bound. The forgiveness of sins, listen now, that we received from Him, we now become the conduits of for others. The disciples here are symbolic of the church in its power to mediate the forgiveness of sins. The church now has its mission to bring the whole world into the circle of the divine love that it might experience what the disciples experienced that night, the forgiveness of their sins. That's our job. That's our mission. That's our purpose. 
to be mediators of the divine forgiveness. Don't we pray it in the Our Father all the time? We ask for forgiveness in the measure that we are willing and able to forgive those who trespass against us. Bearers of the divine love. That's the mission of the church. Now there's the first half of our passage for today. The second half is that wonderful story of doubting Thomas. Listen. It happened that one of the twelve, Thomas, the name means twin, was absent when the Lord came. The other disciples kept telling him, we've seen the Lord. His answer was, I'll never believe it. Without probing the nail prints in his hands, without putting my finger in the nail marks and my hand into his side. Wonderful figure. I found over the years preaching on Thomas that people identify with him. They love him. They recognize themselves in him. I would say, especially in our time, which tends to be skeptical, tends to be dominated by a scientific worldview, this skeptical, empirical mind of Thomas, well, it seems appealing. It seems one that we can understand. Notice, though, some of the details. When Jesus appeared to the disciples, it happened that Thomas was absent. Bad sign. (laughs) This is a very bad sign. Where is Jesus seen? Jesus is seen in the church. It's a basic lesson of the Gospels. Jesus is seen in the church. The two disciples on the road to Emmaus, they see him in the breaking of the bread. And then they race back to Jerusalem to be with the church. There's an instinct now that in the ecclesial life, the communal life, that's when we see the Lord Jesus. What's Thomas's problem? He wasn't there. Christians, don't think that you can set off on your own with your own ideas, your own questions, your own preoccupations, and expect to find the Lord Jesus. Where do you find Him? You find Him in the life of the community. I mean, listen, the community across space and time. Not just the church that you happen to belong to. Your parish church. I mean, the great church stretching over 2,000 years, stretching across the planet. All the saints, scholars, theologians, writers, prophets, all the liturgy, all the sacraments. It's in that communion that we see the Lord Jesus. Don't absent yourself from it, as Thomas did. Then you can't expect to find him. But now listen. A week later, the disciples were once more in the room, and this time Thomas was with them. Despite the locked doors, Jesus came and stood before them. Peace be with you, he said. A week later, it's also... Resurrection Day, the Lord's Day. Jesus once more comes in despite the locked doors. But now Thomas is with them. He's in the church. And that's why he sees. Jesus turns to Thomas. It's one of the most devastating scenes in the whole Bible. Thomas, take your finger and examine my hands. Put your hand into my side. 
Do not persist in your unbelief, but believe. There's so much there. And of course, painters have loved to depict this scene. Poets have written about it. Notice, please, how Jesus respects Thomas's need. Here. Look. Put your finger here. Put your hand in my side. I know, Thomas, you're empirical. I know you're skeptical. I know you need proof. Well, here it is. Jesus respects where Thomas is. It's, it's a commonplace in the Gospels that Jesus starts with people where they are. What I find here, too, is for all of us who are skeptical, all of us who want evidence, who want to see things more clearly, Jesus respects that. He respects it. He likes questions. Invites us. Come on, further. Look, there's evidence. Let me show you. But notice something now. Having done this, having probed the nail prints, Thomas says in response, My Lord and my God. There is no greater affirmation of faith anywhere in the Bible. That is the greatest statement of faith by anyone, anywhere. And notice, he didn't see that. He didn't feel that. He couldn't put his hand in the divinity of Jesus. Thomas made, at the end of the day, a great leap. He made the greatest act of faith. Yes, there's evidence to be seen, and yes, God respects that. But finally, we must surrender to the invitation that's made available to us. We must surrender. And with St. Thomas, kneel down before the risen Jesus, who's come into the locked room of our fear. Kneel down before him and say, My Lord and my God, you are the center of my life. You are everything. And God bless you. I hope you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George, and I pray that God will bless you and those you love. Father Robert Barron is combating the crisis of faith in our culture. Father Barron's expanded website can deepen your faith, give you new insights into scriptures, and help you become a better Christian. Go to wordonfire.org and tap into Father Barron's compelling videos, sermons, articles, and much more. Wordonfire.org. Connect with one of the Catholic Church's best messengers. Every day, everywhere.